Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. I was just sitting over here thinking that you'll need to throw something at me if I nod off. Hopefully I won't. I'll try not to. All right. We got Brian on the phone. Good morning, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Hey, good morning, fellas. I'm doing good. Brian, you were over here, I, I couldn't remember exactly when, when we were setting the computer up for recording. That was a month ago. Uh, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I would have said it was like two weeks ago, but you were over here a month ago when we recorded the episode about just late season issues and cotton. So we are winding down fast. Tom, where were you yesterday? What did you say you were doing? I went to <clears throat> odd parts of South Mississippi, looked at the soybean variety trial in, in Crystal Springs for the last trip to just check on some things, walk through some of the last plots. Brian, I know you've been back and forth over here, but the Delta at least is changing rapidly as the corn's coming off, beans are coming off now. Of course, the cotton's going to ramp up here in a few weeks. Rice is coming out. Optimism's pretty high right now. The folks that I've talked to, the stuff that's that's come off has, has done pretty well. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Brian, all those years when you were farming, you know, you always hear stories about people finding random stuff in fields. What's the weirdest thing you ever saw driving a combine or a cotton picker? Well, driving a combine, usually you pick up something random that you don't want. In there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I would say one of the most random things I found was a single shot shotgun that was just kind of, you know, had, all the wood was gone. It was, I don't know, no telling how old. Uh, I think it was a 410. You think of the stories that were behind that gun. No doubt. So it was like sticking up out of the ground or just laying flat and you having to see it? And it was laying flat. It was. It wasn't this time of year, actually. It was. But the most random thing I found. I was looking for airheads, I think, and it was. It was more like before planting season. I got you. But it was just laid down in the row. I guess when we were rolling up, it, it pulled it to the surface. And it was a place that we had. We had only been farming it at the time for a couple of years, and uh, it was a pretty remote place. So it, there's no telling how long. And I think it's probably been there eighty years or more at the time. So much history out there. It's a wide open field, middle of however many hundreds of acres, and but there was something there at one point in history. Tom's a big arrowhead guy. Tom, what's the most random thing you've ever found? <clears throat> oh boy, like horseshoes here and there probably be the most random thing that I could think of. Just spur of the moment, horseshoes and old bullets would be the most random things I run across. Remember when I see that picture of those like eight railroad spikes I found in the course of about six steps yes a couple years ago that was pretty random yeah we run across those here in stoneville too and field I, field nine's loaded with them <laughs> for whatever reason and i assure you i know a little bit of the history of that place i assure you that there was never a railroad anywhere near that particular bean field you always hear stories of people finding like Civil War buttons and bullets, and I, I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've talked to some guys that have found some really odd stuff, odd Indian artifacts and whatnot. I've not been lucky enough to run up across one, although I did step over one of those, like, grinding stones or have found one of those game balls. Heck, I thought a game ball was a mushroom. Walked over it three times and kept going back to it and finally decided to pick it up. And I was like, huh, well, I thought that was a mushroom. Interesting. 
Brian, as Jason mentioned, you know, things are really changing over here rapidly between them cutting corn and soybeans out here. But the one thing that will definitely start becoming a little bit more obvious will be once we start defoliating. Why don't you start walking us through some of those steps for defoliating cotton at this point in the season? What are, what are farmers supposed to be considering right now? We're obviously, we're getting close, some closer than others. But you want to look at the weather and the environment and, and looking at our forecast, if, it's, if it were to hold true, I think a lot of guys are going to proceed with a pretty standard defoliation practice, whether you're a one-shot person or a, or a one-pass program or a two. Some of our first defoliation, I've heard, is probably going to go out this week, and a lot of that was some cotton that was already defoliating on its own with the, that potassium complex that we were talking about and things like that. But most of the guys in Mississippi – do a two-pass program mainly just to our because of our environment we get a lot of rain we're really warm and and your picking capacity just to get to buy you some time because you can't cover everything and and to avoid green up and things like that as long as our nighttime temperatures are above 60 degrees and we're heating up in the 80s during the day you know we can really stick with a uh a sidazeron at the fun first shot followed by maybe a little more drop plus at the fun again. All right, hold on, hold on. Give us some trade names. Okay. I, I, I don't necessarily speak defoliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure which route to go on that. but It's appropriate either way, but I just need I need the translation. A real basic two-pass program is going to have drop and prep, and then, you know, you're going to follow back, come back with something like a PPO, like AIM or ET or Sharpen, and, and may or may not put the uh, drop back in the tank and, and then add your prep again. And that's if, you you know, most of the guys starting out now are going to need some bowl openings and might put a little bit in on the first shot, obviously, and then the second shot, you know, address, you know, kind of play the field to see what you have. You know, you might want to leave out the ET and sharpen, or if you see some regrowth coming in, if you get a rain in between there, you, you're going to put that in there, plus you go a little heavier on your prep or Ethafon to try to get those bowls open. And there's products out there that have some of those active ingredients. The products you're naming off, there are other products available. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. There's other products. That's just your, you know, yeah. the, kind of the, the standby name. Right. Uh, They've been around for a long time. Prep, prep is like saying Roundup, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's Bowl Buster, uh, the name, you know, to name another one. There's a ton of names out there. Yeah. But once you start getting nighttime temperatures like we saw last year and very likely looking at the pattern, we could turn into cooler nights and and products like that aren't going to work or work nearly as effectively. You have to increase your rates or that's where a product like Def or Folex, Tribufos or come into play. And we we used a lot of that last year because we had some nights in the 40s, low 50s, hanging around the 50s for a while where drop is not going to be as effective. So, And that product has a fit now, but when it gets really hot and you have kind of got to watch your use rates where you can stick leaves, and that's what you want to avoid on your first shot, you know, is trying to avoid sticking any of your leaves. You can have trash in your, in your cotton. Like I said, with the crop being a little bit later, a lot of defoliation is going to go out the end of September, maybe the first week in October. It depends on the weather, but if we start getting into cooler, we're going to have to change our approach a little bit off what I'm saying right now. If we get started in earnest next week, Brian, how far off are we traditional from a big 
cotton defoliation startup. I mean, we've talked every time you've been in here this year about the crop being laid and then closing that gap a little bit. We talked about that last time. So how far off are we? Are we, are we still two weeks off? Are we 10 days or how far behind are we? I have very few reports of any going out now, but I do think that some's going to probably go out this weekend. I think it's going to increase next week with the vast majority going out between the 20th, maybe say the 20th, 25th and through like the, first week in October, which still puts the bulk of our pick in in October during the month of October. And I think most of it's going to be, you know, depending on where you are in the state, I'd say that most of it's probably going to go out the last week in September, the first week in October. That's where the the peak is going to be of of the defoliation. You know, one thing I failed to mention, there is more interest in one-shot programs. That usually comes with a a lot of product going out. Usually, we'll use the word drop again with finish, which is going to be another product that helps with regrowth and has a bowl opening and has ethylene in it. And it's, you know, it's a little more expensive, but it's a one shot, one pass program. Depending on the weather, with this year being right now kind of cool at night, warming up in the day, it's pretty dry. There's probably if it were to stay dry, your regrowth potential is kind of low. That could be an option for some cotton. You know, maybe if it's not real, for lack of a better word, rain, and you could get good foliar penetration. Could be an option going moving forward, but you still the vast majority are going to go with two shot. But I just didn't want to leave that out while I was thinking about it. A one shot on that when you're so influenced by the weather and how the weather can change around here this time of year just a one trying to commit to a one shot just seems like a big gamble because you like you said it's a more expensive treatment and then the weather can change on you in a hurry after that treatment goes out and it can go sideways on you so i i don't know it just seems like a gamble to me but i'm also more traditional yeah and most people are the people that are going to do that a lot of times have a lot of picking capacity and they might not do it on every acre they might right. do it on this and get started and then you know they play the field on the middle ground and plan on later on definitely a two shot it, it oftentimes in the every acre kind of thing a lot of farmers are trying to get out there you know how all, all year long you know you're late you're patiently waiting and you accept the fact that it's two to three weeks late but when it gets this time of year you want to speed it up and you might want to go out there a little early and I guess I could touch on some of the key things to look for. I mean, obviously, most people aren't counting heat units from five nodes above white flower, you know, every day to get 850. But that's how many heat units it, it takes. And, and I wish we were accumulating a little more, but I'd take the dry over wet any day, wet and warm. But that's how many heat units it takes to mature the crop out. And then, obviously, you'd want to double-check that with having 60% open bowls or four nodes above white flower. And, and, and then it's always a good idea to go out there at that top bowl that's open, a good representative bowl and, and cut it in half and see what your fiber, what your seed coat looks like in a cross section of that bowl. And if it has a, if it has a dark color around the seed coat, then you're good to go. In the past, Brian, the cotton specialists have put together that cotton defoliation guide. That's pretty widely distributed. What's the, What's the time frame for that this year? 
the most recent one that you can get is the 2020 Mid-South Cotton Defoliation Guide. There are several of them. There's been minor changes. I talked to Tyson Raper yesterday, and he is soon to publish the 2021. You know, we've all reviewed it, and I think there's been some minor changes, some of the rates, and mainly just the pictures. Very good resource, mainly because it describes the different methods of defoliation, the different products, herbicide versus hormonal. And what I like about it, it has a lot of categories that describe different environmental conditions that you might face in a one-shot and a two-shot program just to help you know what products are to look at, what products to use in those situations. And it also has charts in there that show you like each product, you know, what it's good at, what its main focus is, you know, whether it's inhibiting regrowth or strictly defoliation or if it has bowl opening capabilities. It's just a valuable resource. If you know what you're looking for and you know what your conditions are, you can uh, kind of fine-tune it for yourself and obviously check with your extension specialists and your retail guys to see what products you want to use. I mean, it, I, I refer to it all the time. Where can somebody access that information or download that guide? I mean, you can Google a search 2020 Mid-South Defoliation Guide or even 2021 cotton defoliation and it pops right up and i keep it bookmarked on my computer but i also keep a hard copy printed out in my little daily binder that i keep with me this time of year i just have it in the truck because you know there's always some when you get a call or a question you know it's never an easy one it's usually some massive it's a minute but yet massive detail that makes the situation different and it helps to refer back to that just to you know you might have tweaked your situation a little bit but it's usually a category of a situation that's close. You know that this, the weather's not going to stay the same. It, it could, but if it were to change, then obviously it would make some changes to our defoliation strategy. And then, like you say, in the Delta, it might not get as cool at night as it does, say, in northeast Mississippi. So there could be a 15-degree swing, which for that area could be have a different strategy. You kind of gave us some generalities there when we first started talking about a, a good solid defoliation treatment or sequence of treatments. So just walk us through some different possibilities of how things could go over the next month. Right now, I would say that we're warm temperatures. We have bowl opening needed, more than likely going to use a two-pass program. So if it stays dry, say low regrowth potential. If it stays like this, you're, you're basically looking at drop and prep. And then that's going to be probably three to four ounces per acre on your drop and 16 to 32 ounces on your prep, depending on how much bowl opening you need. Or you could use a Folex product and that's fine or Folex and, and finish if you're doing a one shot program. But if you're using Folex or something like that now with the temperatures the way they are, you're going to be on the low side, six to 12 ounces per acre. Let's say the conditions flip and you have cooler temperatures bowl opening still needed, then I would recommend Folex or Tribute Falls, everyone say it, and that's a fine. But you're going to increase your uh, rate probably more like a pint to the acre. Depending on bowl opening needed, you know, your prep, you might want to go up a little bit. If you do a one-shot program and you come back and, uh, I mean, if you put out your first application, we were to get a rain or if you had irrigated or you still have good soil moisture, a lot of nitrogen, and you have some regrowth, that's where on your second shot where a lot of 
people are applying PPO herbicidal um, additives to the tank plus your prep. Most of those work better with Epiphon in the tank, and that's going to help with your regrowth potential, which some fields are going to have more than others. I know a lot of guys in the Delta are using DT, great product, but you can also use AIM, Sharpen, Display is another one. And then if you still have some mature leaves that, that need to come off, the Folex, if the temperature's cooler, or a uh, Bidazron or a Drop product would help with your, if you still have a skirt at the bottom, there's some uh, mature leaves you want to get off. What influences it more, Brian, the daytime temperatures or the nighttime temperatures? The problem is when you get your nighttime temperatures at night and it's there long enough, then it essentially shuts the cotton plant down when it gets below 60 degrees. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't, it can't start back up, but if you have consistent 50, 49, 50 degrees, like just your relocation of those hormonal products, just it just doesn't work as well. Um, yeah. If it warms up in the day and it doesn't stay as cold at night, and I'm not a specialist on this physiology 100%, but, you know, there is a DD60 for cotton for a reason. Now, some will argue 55, 57, but when you drop below that temperature, it really shuts down the trans, their translocation within the plant. So that's the problem, and that's why you would shift to a, a different style product. So I guess it's more than nighttime, but there is a daytime influence. But if you get cool enough for cotton, it just it just shuts it down. And that's the same reason why you don't want those cool snaps to when you when you're wanting to finish out your top bowl. It works against it both ways. All right, last scenario, and this is not going to happen, so I'm just going to say that before I present the scenario to you. But it's happened in years past. So what if it starts raining? <laughs> well, then you have to reassess and if it starts raining obviously you know you got to rethink how long is it raining how wet how you know you're going to take some losses what are the temperatures what happened did you have enough nitrogen or had it gotten cold enough before to where it just didn't have any regrowth potential or it still goes back to the drawing board with your key markers you know is regrowth potential high is regrowth potential low do i need bowl opening i think you look at your same parameters of, of what you're facing okay, and make a decision with your products that are there because it could start raining and how defoliated was your crop when it started raining? Had you made applications? Had you not? Let's just say we haven't made an application yet and we're just dealing with an extended period of rain and cloudy weather. How do you address that? You need time on it between rain. We ran into this last year. It rained today. We have a two-day window to apply, so they waited till as long as they could after that rain, before the next rain, but still where you got your active ingredient in the plant good. So you want to get in that window in between rains. If this is a solid week of wet weather, it kind of hurts, but you have to wait until you get a dry, the sun shining and the plant dry so you can make your application. Do you tweak that first application to try to, I guess, to put it in herbicide terms, make it a little hotter to knock leaves off better? Yeah, most people are going to increase their rates when you start getting around wet weather, mainly because you want it to work faster, or you want it to work better. Now, some products, obviously, you can't just go crazy with rates because you, you can still stick leaves and make things worse. But when you get in a situation like that, most always you're going to have regrowth potential, and that's where you start relying on some of your herbicidal defoliants. 
and your PPOs and things like that because you're more than likely going to have some regrowth, and that's a lot harder to um, remove. Your hormonals are, are not going to work as well in that situation. Let's just say it's going to stay hot. It's going to stay dry, and Tom's shaking his head. I, I just, <clears throat> you know, the, the unfortunate thing is, is you get the 10-day weather forecast, and you can always say that at the end of that 10-day period, they're going to expect a rain. That's just typically how they do. Unfortunately, you can't look further beyond that. But most of the temperatures look like they're going to stay pretty static right now, 80s, 90s. It's going to stay hot. It's going to stay dry. We're going to get the crop defoliated. We're going to get the crop out. And then we're going to go deer hunting, Tom. You may go deer hunting. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what I'm going to do. Uh, well, you can go look for some arrowheads. How about that? Ah, it won't be any good right now. Not breaking up enough ground. I will say that if the, if the forecast were to hold, I, that's, I think it's really good defoliating weather not incredibly hot it's warming up during the day it's not getting really below 60 at night i think you could use a majority of, of the products that are available and be successful within their use range and um, based on what your crop you know needs whether it needs a little more hormonal or if, if you decide that you have some regrowth i think all these products given the current weather forecast i think it could be a very successful defoliation season with the major complication would be cool weather and wet weather unless something blows up in the gulf i think that we're, we're good for a while as usual we really appreciate our guest brian thanks so much for the information i think that's important super timely right now super complicated yeah that's just what i was sitting here thinking about that wow i can't think of anything that's more of an art form than defoliation and and you There's know the not, conversations dude. i have i usually just listen i ain't got no dog and hunt and i can't pay any attention to most of those chemicals i'm struggling with the fungicide still i mean i've dabbled around with it some over the years and Man, there's I, I don't know of anything, you know, in the spraying world that's more complicated than defoliating cotton. The folks that do it here in Stoneville have a really good, respectable interest in that, and they've done it forever. So they have really interesting, complex conversations, and that's usually when Tom walks away like, oh, I think I got, you know, I got, got to go blow dry my hair type thing because yeah. I just can't, <laughs> I can't keep up with that conversation. It's too much for my little brain. It's complicated, but and that's just touching on some general scenarios. But, you know, I get a lot of calls and I, I you know, I try to do my best to walk people through. But I, I'll tell you what, like, I'll say it one more time that that defoliation guide is, is a very useful tool. So, and if, if there's any other questions that arise or anybody has any questions, I know they feel free to call. So, you know, we just go from there. Yeah. I mean, if anybody has any one-on-one -on -one needs, track, track Brian down. That's that's pretty simple telephone call to make. And, and we're all easily approachable. Nobody should ever be shy about just picking up the phone and calling us. We, we end up with a lot of random calls. But, you know, our, our regular listeners, we really appreciate it. Greatly appreciate the thanks and the, and the comments that people have made the last few weeks. So keep those coming. And we'll definitely continue doing this through the fall to try to cover some of those important topics as they come up. Brian, good look at the football game tonight, man. I hope y'all win. Oh, yeah. Be careful driving. We will. Y'all be good. I enjoyed it. See you, Brian. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.